you know, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is kind of strange. Like, why is it a song about trying to figure out how many women can fit inside a van? Yeah. But then it was like, after a while, <laughs> it's like, you just realise that, like, I think, you know, Central C, like with Doja, you know, he did, he did that genius interview where he's like, oh, you know, I wanted a lyric which sounded like something you shouldn't say, but actually you can say it. And yeah. the fact that it catches people's attention. I think he's obviously proven that he's really, really good at just like putting together a couple of bars and just which just gets trapped inside people's heads. Yeah, like he's had a few times where he's managed to get the opening bars, and you, you just can't. You're walking down the street and you start thinking about his lyrics, and yeah. you, you get it in your head. So mm. He's obviously really gifted at that. My name is Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to The Face podcast recorded at Spotify HQ. We're in end of year mode at the moment. Last week, we were reviewing the fashion highlights of 2023. This week, I'm joined by The Face's music director, Davey Reed, and our assistant editor, Jade Wicks, to discuss the year in music. Over the next hour or so, we'll be talking about the year's biggest and best albums and deciding what was the song of the summer. But before that, let's talk about some of our favourite Tracks from the uh, David, you're normally good at this. What, what's what's on your list? So I was like, maybe we should try and pick five favorite tunes, which is quite hard. Mm. There's the Eve Schumer album, which is really good, and there's a song called Fear Evil Like Fire, which is my mm-hmm. favorite song. I love that. I've rinsed that one. I wouldn't say it's the best sexy red tune, but she's got a tune called Female Gucci Man, which is obviously a tribute to Gucci, and it's like. It's got this really sort of intense, garish beat, and it's a bit of a tribute to like late noughties, early 2010s mm-hmm. trap music, like Brick Squad era, and I love that era. And there's Pot of Paper, Multifaceted, which is one of the singles from his album, Real Back in Style. And Pot of Paper is just, in my opinion, maybe the best rapper in the UK at the minute. He's a great artist. Multifaceted is like, it's kind of got gritty, intense, really raw lyricism, but it's got this like gospel feel, which is really warm and the whole thing's really epic. Me or warring me or warning me They turn bad, they must be drunk and disorderly I see them off the internet and deal with them accordingly Clean hearts always seem to be the poorest people Your life's a movie but nobody ever saw a sequel When I die, don't cry, I need a whole cathedral I think jealousy and greed's like the purest evil Ten years I've been rapping Six hours in the can, the whole ten I stayed trapping When it was forced flagging, I was getting shit cracking Even in jail, I was making shit happen I shared the link then Joy over Mono, so that's Joy Orbison over Mono, you sort of joined forces and they did a remix of a track called Freedom by Quang Face and Quang Face is a bit of a legend in the UK drill scene, he's from Peckham and they've basically just managed to merge like UK drill and UK garage in a way which is totally perfect. So that's been the tune where I'm like, whenever I'm feeling like really sluggish and I wake up and I'm like, there's a long day ahead and I just need something to get me gassed <laughs> up. So I, therefore I've listened to this every day before work for the whole year. I'd probably go for like BK the Ruler Tatty like I don't even know if it is the best song she's put out this year but there's something about it which I've just I keep coming back to it so BK the Ruler is we've talked about a few times in the podcast she's a very young Atlanta rapper she's in the current issue The Face and she just has this kind of really psychedelic sort of off the grid kind of dark sound and that tune for some reason it's just been hitting the spot. I'm just way too grown, way too swaggy to have ops. Oh, yeah, I clip my ego with that Holy Spirit juice. Rose that 10 up with the bands, man. You can't have it too. First day out the crutch, I'm cooking it up in a secret stool. First day out the crutch, ain't no second chance. You do, you do. Rose that Tenny Haw, bitch, take off your pennies, haw. If you not a pretty bitch, you won't understand me, haw. Slow and steady, window race, bitch, fuck a Rennie Haw. 
Very good. That was five, wasn't it, Jay? Were you counting, Jay? I was not counting, but it felt like five. My spirit. It felt like five. Yeah, yeah it did. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Okay, so my first one is Militarian by Jay Huss and Naira Mali. Yeah, I just, that's such an earworm for me. Like, I was so looking forward to that Jay Huss album, and it didn't hit in the same way Big Conspiracy did. Didn't but quite, did it? No, it didn't. Mm. But that track, like as soon as it comes on, if you're in a bad mood, it is instantly going to mm. put you in a good mood. That I was quite an epic it. moment as well because yeah. there was debate between them two about who started the Afro Swing thing. Oh, really? And then Jay, and then Jay Huss did acknowledge that it was either Naomi Molly or Sneaker Bow, but there's the Militarians who are Jay Huss's fan base mm. and the Molians, and they kind of reference those two tribes coming together for that song what are you <laughs> I would lean towards Morlian because we did the, the cover story but um, I, I, seeing both forces join together is a beautiful thing yeah it was very beautiful it was a great link up let's go to the house and have a pop then I just have you by yam if I jam you you go tire Okay, get what you turn me on. My Kevin's big is not little. Go, go. Say she won't jump in my vehicle. You know we are African bad man. Anywhere we go, we go. Now, my second one, maybe surprisingly, is A&W by Lana Del Rey. I'm really not, I'm not a Lana girl, but I have always kind of like appreciated the kind of like enormity of her artistry and importance, like as a passive fan. And I just kind of like press play on this one because everyone was talking about it more than anything else. And I just loved it. I had it on repeat for ages. I really love how it, how long it is, how indulgent it is and how it kind of like basically switches up from like folk into trap basically halfway through, which feels really ambitious. Sorry, this summer she was excellent. Hyde yeah. Park. Oh, I'm so jealous. Mm, yeah, that was really I got really tuk home, not home, but to the station. Did you really? Yeah, playing Lana Del Rey. Oh my god, really quite gone. Fun with loads of lights. Gone on. the whole hog. Mm. They might be banning those. Are they really? Like yeah. Have to get your rides in quick. Then <laughs> the second one. Sorry, the third one. Yes, who's counting? All American Bitch by Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm not I'm not just saying that because we did her on the cover for the last issue, but that is absolutely the best song on the album for me. A Ballad of a Homeschool Girl and Love is Embarrassing were kind of close, second and third, but I just love the simmering angst of this song. It feels like a really kind of self-aware <laughs> dig at the music industry. It feels like Olivia kind of like coming into her own and kind of like taking control of her image and her personality. I really love that song. Mm, yeah, mm, that's mm. a good one. No Shadow by Ethan P. Flynn, an artist that I feel is really underrated. I went to see him at Moth Club a few weeks ago. Oh, he did, didn't you? How was yeah. that? Yeah, oh my God. It was amazing. Was it really good? It was actually one of the best gigs I've been to. Like, his voice is absolutely insane. Sounds even better than on the record. He's kind of got this really distinctive, like, warble. And his band were all there and it was the band that he'd made the record with and it was really special. And the girl who was singing had a really amazing voice and this kind of, like, tambourine going... Did you get an Ethan P. Flynn tuk-tuk home? No, I didn't, no. unfortunately. But I'm going to petition for that for the Good. next gig. Although I will say the crowd was a bit muted. Um, it felt like I was kind of dancing at the front and there were the, this kind of group of older women at the side that were absolutely having it. Like they're, they're like <laughs> glasses of wine, yeah. tipping around everywhere. Did you think everywhere. it was a hen, do you, Ethan P. Flynn? No, so it turns out it was, it was the mothers of the band. Oh, that's no yeah, way. So it was everyone's mum. And when they kind of came off oh, stage, cool. they were just kind of like embracing them and stuff. And it was just like... Like, those are the kind of women you wanted to have a yeah. party with. Well, you, 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 you went to Bar Italia as well, didn't you, this year? Well, that was a really good one. And then the last one is a bit of a wild card. This song called We Can Your Light by a band called Nation of Language. I don't know if 
if anyone knows that band. Uh, no um, it's a New York indie <laughs> band. And this was one that came came up courtesy of Spotify's Discover Weekly playlist. Which we don't have. I know we record at Spotify, but we're not contractually obliged to, no. to say that. But, but it, it was useful for you. It was useful Good. for me. It was actually the best thing that came up for me this year off the band's new album. I've listened to some of their other stuff, but nothing's quite hit the spot like this one. And actually, like the they made their first two albums in the pandemic and the keyboardist and the vocalist of the band are married. And they skipped the whole gift registry process for their wedding and instead got their friends to contribute money for them to make their first album. Wow. So that's kind of like how that got started as a fun fact. But yeah, it's just really kind of classic synth pop. And it's just an amazing song. What are they called again? Nation of Language. Nation of Language. Yeah, worth checking out. Very good, very good. Well, look, you've mentioned Spotify. What was on your Spotify wrapped this, this year? Sorry, the band from Brighton. I was in the top 0.1% of Sorry Listeners. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm having a really like melancholy indie Mm. pop year, I think. Mm. And then Grian Chatton, the lead singer of Fontaine's, released a solo album called Chaos for the Fly, which I absolutely loved. You watched him, didn't you? You played Rough Trade. Yeah, I went to him at Rough Trade and it was amazing. Actually, I was going to, I think, I was going to put one of his songs on the on my top five, but I think the album is best listened to as a kind of whole. That's that's the way I like to listen right, to it. He's probably not listening. Sorry, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually went to see Sorry at the Pitchfork Festival and then saw Graham afterwards and wow. said hello to him. Oh, you're kidding! Hi, wow. girl. Very nice, very nice. Well, David, you used the login for the, for the the office. Spotify, right? Yeah. So, so we get we kind of get some data on what people are listening to in the office. Yeah, what's well, quite good as well because people are like what's on your Spotify wrap? And I'll be like, oh, mine's like distorted because the face office use it, so yeah. it's like isn't as pure. And I'll be right. like, you know, and obviously I'm like listening to obscure stuff from Bandcamp. No, none of you local have heard. <laughs> oh, you know, all right. You know, so I like to dig around the peripheries. You know me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, loads of uh, Doja Cat, loads of Georgia Smith. Um, we are on the top two percent of listeners of the Face podcast. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Top 1%. Probably my dad. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, my sister listens as well. The sugar. I think, yeah, yeah. And my mate Doug as well. Shout out Doug. But yeah, I was kind of surprised not to see like Pink Panther stuff. Like she's on all the time. Or, yeah, we do listen to Pink Panther. Or Pink Panther's adjacent music. So I was surprised Dua? I was none. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised not to see Dua up there as well. And New Jeans, I think, we've been rinsing that a lot. I mean, that's yeah, we have, yeah. very, I feel like that suits the tone of the office of keeping things kind of upbeat and, mm. and energetic, so... Actually, Matthew, we do have to ask you about your Spotify wrap. <laughs> yes, really, we do. Some really cutting edge artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, uh, I was in the top 1% of listeners for the Beatles. Wow, what yeah. a surprise. Yeah, as I have what been every surprise. year since Spotify wrap <laughs> started. So always always keep my finger on the on the pulse. With yeah. that. I think that was, though, you know, people say that it finishes in October, don't they? They just mm. stop counting streams after that. But then the Beatles did a, a big re-release of the Red and the Blue album, so I was kind of listening to those in November. I think that's what tipped well, it over. Right. What was your honest opinion now that just settled of now and then? Are we really talking about the Beatles? Yeah, let's do it. It's like a year in the make. I'm so happy. Come on. We're trying to be trendy and cutting edge, but I reckon we've got three minutes on the Beatles. They are the Beatles. Countdown starts now, Matthew. What are you asking? My opinion on what? Yeah, now and then, like literally, like, you know, the big comeback single, and then there was this kind of like controversy because Paul McCartney mentioned that like AI being used to recover some John. And his vocals, that was all actually just not a big deal in the end. Yeah, I think people thought that they'd used AI to sort of generate a Beatles sounding song, <laughs> I think was what, what people took that as. But no, they used AI, you know, or they used machine learning to learn what John Lennon's voice sounded like, isolate that and, and separate from the piano because the demo that now and then was taken from was recorded by John in the 70s. You could hear the washing machine in the background, the television, you couldn't separate the piano from it. Mm. They cleaned it up and they put their parts on it. You know? But did he leave, like, did he write like for Paul in the demo or something? Is well, the story is that the song's called Now and Then. This was the only one that he'd written the title of on the cassette he'd recorded. So in the 90s they did Freezer Birds, they did Real Love, which were which were John demos that Yoko gave to Paul mm. at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one year in the, in the early 90s. And then the other one was the only one that had a title written on it so it was clearly John cared about it a bit more it's called Now and Then and it was actually one of the last things that John said to Paul the last time they saw each other I think on the way out of the door at the Dakota board and he said think of me now and then mm-hmm. won't you old friend and so obviously for Paul this had a huge huge emotional weight 
to it, you know, because they tried to do this song in the in the nineties, and in, in the nineties, the Beatles did the anthology project where they kind of did a big documentary about the Beatles. There was a book, and they did these two old Lennon demos. Am I going on too long? Is this longer than my three minutes? Or is this okay? I'm enjoying it. Personally. No, no, there's, a lead, good, there's at least good. two minutes. After this, we can talk about the Stones. <laughs> <laughs> But they did the anthology project in the 90s. And, and as part of that, they did some reissues. There was three box sets that they did, and one of them had Free as a Bird on, one of them had re- Real Love on, and then they were going to do Now and Then as the third one, but they ran out of time, they didn't finish it. George said it sounded rubbish. They kind of had a go at it. They spent half a day and that was it. So then it sat in the vaults for all of these years, and it obviously means a tremendous amount to, to Paul, mm. you know, that meaning of kind of the last thing he said to him, the lyrics are about you know, kind of remembering somebody and needing somebody from the past. And so he's kind of been sat on it for decades and then finished it with Ringo, new drums, George's guitar part from the from the 90s. He did a slight guitar solo in the style of George, who's obviously not with us anymore. So I went to Abbey Road to listen to it with all of the rock wow. journals a few wow. weeks ago. And what a trip to go to Abbey Road. Yeah. I've been once before, but always very, very cool. Did you take a picture on the little zebra crossing? I, do you know what? It's too busy. It's <laughs> just, it's bonkers. There's always you people. You should shut down that road. There's yeah. <laughs> just, just always people there, I know. But yeah, I went to, to Abbey Road and it, look, and I think the song is, it's not, it's just, look, it's not like the Beatles' best song ever. But mm. I think as a sort of emotional, cyclical kind of ending point and obviously the emotional way that it, it, it means to, that it has for Paul McCartney, I do find it quite moving. Mm. Who's your now mates with Paul McCartney? I did you? interview Paul McCartney this year, which was a, I, I always, 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 I've been a huge Beatles fan since I was a, a small, small boy and always wanted to meet Paul because he was my favourite Beatle. Yeah. And I met him in June and it was just, yeah. I bored my eyes out afterwards. It was quite, <laughs> quite something. It's a appropriate response, I think. Yeah, because yeah, you want to see that old exhibition. So there's all the photos. Yeah, of him yeah, he did an exhibition the at the at the National Gallery, and it was all of his old photos from the 1960s. Amazing. And I went to meet him, and I was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. And the PR was trying to talk to me before, and I was just kind of pacing. I couldn't speak. You know. Yeah. I was so nervous, and, and then they said, "Okay, Paul's ready for you." You go over and there he is, Paul McCartney. He looks like Paul McCartney, you know, and you mm. shake hands. You go, okay, mm. come on then, should we have a look? And I realise I can't get any of my questions out. You know, you write, you know, when you mm. interview someone, you write a yeah. list of questions and stuff. And they're all going out the window, you mm. know, and I'm asking them in the wrong order. And I managed to stumble out this question. We sat looking at this, we stood rather looking at this picture of him on stage that someone else had taken. And I've managed to stumble out, you know, is the Paul McCartney in the photo is the same as the Paul McCartney stood here now, or is it different Paul McCartney? Does it feel the same Paul McCartney? You know, stumble out this question. And he looks at me and he goes, well, it's the same Paul McCartney, but look at those trousers. (laughs) 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 And he's like that, he's really disarming, you know. So it's great, spent half an hour and then I left and and just wept uncontrollably in the street. What was his handshake like? Do you know what? Yeah, and he really fixed you with eye contact and Mm. he smelled very clean. Did he? Oh, good very to hear. Clean. I know, he's a very clean man. <laughs> so that was me, and I've been happy ever since. Yeah. yeah. It changed me permanently. Oh, um, to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about Paul McCartney. Oh, it's fine, mate. Facebook. We can edit it down. Fuckers. <laughs> 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 well, look, uh, now and then, that, that was you know my, my song of the year, but let's talk about some of your, your favourite songs. And let's talk about the, the, the song of the summer, specifically. What, are, what were some of the contenders for, for that one? So we've got a list down here. I've run mm. through it quickly. And I might have forgotten something, but I was thinking, like, you know, there's your personal favourite and what is, like, the definitive song of the summer, as in what is that summer in 10 years, 20 years, you're going to play it back and it's going to make everyone have these memories of, of going out with their mates and walking down the streets of London and hearing this blowing out of cars or, mm. you know, hearing out of festivals and stuff. So we've got, we'll start off with... Pink Panthers, Boys Lie, Part 2, featuring Nice Spice. Now, this did actually drop in February, but it was just a huge track throughout the year. Sexy Red Ski, I can't remember exactly when that one dropped. I know Pound Town was mm. January, and then it kind of went viral a bit later. But Ski was definitely something I was hearing out and about. Jay Huss, Who Told You, featuring Drake, has obviously been huge. Georgia Smith, Little Things, Massive UK Trap, Kali Minogue, Padam Padam, that dropped in 18th of May. There's Dua Lipa, Dancer Night, which is from the Barbie soundtrack, which has been huge. Sprinter with Dave and Central Sea. We talked about that in depth on the Face podcast. We, with FD we did with feature, FD, didn't we? Our friend FD. Then there's Peggy Goo, the inescapable, it goes like na 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 in brackets. <laughs> Choice Van, Rush, that was a 
really good July single. And then there's Doge Cat Paint the Town Red, which came out at the beginning of August, so like a late summer hit. I know it's like out of these, in terms of the ones, if I were to like, it's funny because like the Peggy Goo track in some ways feels like the most inescapable t- to mm. me in terms of like I was I went on holiday in Greece and yeah. it was number one in Greece at the time and I was like you know it does make you want to like rent a quad bike and make an awesome wear some white trousers <laughs> and like wear some chinos um, yeah yeah like and, <laughs> and you know it shoes. does sound good when you're drinking a sort of um like a, a slightly too sugary cocktail with a sort of slightly pornographic name and, a, and some sort of beach bar or something like that and it comes on but <laughs> I don't know Davey I don't know <laughs> I, I the, the track itself I find it like easy like and hard to love a bit like I kind of yeah. it's obviously a, a fun track I'm glad it happened but I kind of just something about the lyrics like it yeah. doesn't do it for me yeah like big no. big commercial dance tracks occasionally you have really simple lyrics which actually do make you feel emotional feel quite profound mm. whereas this feels like it might have literally been like an AI thing yeah it feels quite manufactured yeah I think. Uh, for I, me there is just no there <laughs> like is no like a lost John Lennon <laughs> demo <laughs> yeah, from the yeah, 1970s yeah. So that was actually so a slide dig at you the, the, the Peggy really. Goo cleared up yeah <laughs> so I think maybe that <laughs> It's, it's a just, strong contender, yeah. but it isn't the the song that's in my no, heart. No, guys, it's just it's Sprinter. It yeah, just I has think if you're to in be London, Sprinter. Sprinter like, isn't it? That is the song of the summer. A hundred million. Or the percent. UK, it's definitely yeah, yeah. the Sprinter, UK. It? You know? it is truly great. Like I think so good. There's something sort of about the production, which it's even though it's like not in your face, it's actually like the bass notes are kind of catchy. Mm. What I really like about it is it's so kind of. Like Dave in Central C, it's not like trying to be a hit. It's not in your face. Like I remember when I first played it, it's not like here's the hook. Yeah. Here's the bit which is going to go big on TikTok or anything like that. It's like the kind of sounds like those who've just recorded it sitting down and they don't give a shit, which is yeah. like the epitome of cool. Yeah. You know, the production's cool, like Jim Legacy's on there and. Yeah, it's it's it, it's great, isn't it's it? It's so good. I didn't even know what Sprinter was. I still don't really get it, mm. but I'm just I'm here for it. Yeah, Let's go. Let's that get in will, the van. That will be the track which will take you back to summer 2023. I think so, and I think it will stand the test of time. The man them too inconsiderate Five star hotel smoking cigarette Mixing Cody up with a Finnegan She got thick but she wanna get Finnegan Drinking apple cider vinegar Wearing skim cause she wanna be Kim and them uh, Alright I know they are bad, stop acting innocent We ain't got generational wealth It's only a year that I've had these millions My whip could have been in a Tokyo drift car It's fast and furious I went from the Toyota Yaris to Eurus They had their chance but blew it I think my 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 runner up would probably be Georgia Smith Little Things, just because it's like I don't know if it did that well commercially, but it feels like so British and mm. youthful. I think the video there's like the house party thing. I think Bald Day Banjo shot it, and it had like Clint and Hedy One in the video. I thought that New Archives remix, that clip of them kind of dancing behind the decks, really kind of reflected like contemporary British youth culture, mm. and it was just good vibes track. Yeah. I think are we saying are we Sprinter is Sprinter. I mean that Georgia song is good, and I think it was like a new, a proper kind of like new era for her. I think a long, long kind of awaited new track that really lived up to to what she was kind of promising as an yeah. artist. So I think that was a big moment as well. But in terms of if we're really talking about what defined the summer, I think it has just got to be Sprinter. I mean, yeah, the Peggy Goo one was inescapable, but forgettable. I don't think it will go down in history like Sprinter will. Mm. Mm. What about in the clubs, Jade? What, what's 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 happening in the clubs? I feel like I did. I had more festival moments than club moments, but I'm gonna just allow those to be mm. to be one and the same. I think "Set the Roof" was definitely a big kind of clubbing yeah. song for me. I know you love that one as well. Yeah, right, it's David? by Hudson Mohawk and yeah. Nicky Nair, who's from Atlanta, right? Yeah, an Atlanta, yeah. an Atlanta DJ slash producer who played this set at Horse Festival in Belgium in the spring, which was wicked. Just like kind of proper. Proper like trashy, feel good music. And yeah, when I heard this, it just kind of like did something in my brain. I don't know, it's just kind of like anything, unlike anything that I'd heard before. Like it takes all these like jolting, unexpected turns that like never feel out of place. And it kind of like fits together in this kind of weird, like congruence of genres and and sounds.
yeah, that one's been the what, the track that I've heard people talk about most. Yeah. And it came out oh, maybe June or something, but I heard I glass and read loads. Yeah. It's really fun. Also, Hudson Mohawk is a producer who I loved in the 2010s mm. and he's a good guy and he's like a really great producer and he's really talented. Yeah. And I feel like the idea of him having a bit of a hit is really good. Yeah. And it's kind of helped him have like a bit of a comeback, which I think is, and I've seen he's, he's doing loads of festivals next year. So yeah. It's just a really good. interesting song. Yeah. I think it's just not your run of the mill kind of Yeah, but not song like a chin strokey way yeah, and like a proper yeah, yeah. party banger, but yeah. there's something slightly off and wonky about it. It's so, yeah, it's so weird. I yeah. love it. You know, the one is that installation track by Pangea, which is mm. really, like really fun in your face, which is, you know, great because Hessel Audio, that crew, I do love them, but occasionally, historically, I've found like some of their music a little bit po faced. Mm. The quite more serious end of like experimental techno, chin strokey. A little bit, yeah. And then we we should we should talk about Rumble, which is by Fred again Skrillex yeah. featuring Flo Dan. As you know, well, I've been a bit of a Fred again Scrooge for quite a while. I mean, so I'm a Scrooge <laughs> as well. Don't you worry. I think the thing is, I mean, it has kind of been Fred's year, and it will be Fred's year for many years. It's yeah. there's something you can't escape again and again and again, again and again and again. <laughs> you know, you did like five, six, seven, maybe ten nights at Alexandra Palace sold out. And wow. It was when the weather was really good and I, I live right by there and I'd be like, oh, like I'm just going to get out and go for a walk and sit mm. there view. And every I'd start walking about, oh, there's going to be a lot of Fred fans. Yeah. But it's funny with him because he's, he's so huge. I went to see him for a bit at Primavera Madrid and I've got the point now where I'm like, look, there's tens of thousands of people who are who go into his gigs and mm. having a really, really good time. And I got the point where I can't say that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think the thing is with him is this year's he teamed up with Skrillex and Fortet and they did yeah. those Madison Square Gardens and... They filled in when Frank Ocean dropped out of Coachella and mm. there's sort of footage of like thousands of people sort of moshing to a dubstep remix of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I'm like, you know what? Imagine <laughs> press and go on that behind yeah. the decks. Like, and then I, th- I think the Skrillex thing, I kind of, I saw him as well and really liked him. I think he put out two albums this year. I thought they were both really good. I think when Fred Gens with Skrillex and, and Fortet, I think it is fun it gets a little bit bland yeah. when it's just Fred but this track is just objectively great yeah. and it's it, it you know Flo Dan is has done quite a lot of tracks like this before like sort of slightly left field dub tracks and he has that kind of really sort of dark sort of ragged grime sort of style but Flo Dan's like an OG and I've seen he's got some good festival bookings and this has got millions of streams so like anything which like cut flow down a big check I'm, yeah I'm, I'm that's pro. the thing I think there was this kind of element of like Fred again being a bit of this like Robin Hood of electronic music where he's kind of got this like a bit shitty reputation but ultimately if he's helping someone like Flo Dan finally get get his flowers your favourite expression <laughs> Matthew I just want to defend Robin Hood for a second I actually think Robin Hood has quite a good reputation no Robin Hood does have a good reputation yeah. but he is yeah he is like the Robin Hood of electronic music in that he kind of like has uh, a little hat and uh, bow and arrow <laughs> imagine. lives in Nottingham wouldn't put it past him mm. turn up on stage with that but yeah in that he just kind of is not afraid to kind of work with well, I wouldn't say that Flo Dan's lesser known or anything, but someone who is a yeah, little bit no. more... Like, literally, I saw, like, yesterday something Fred again posted. Like, he was, like, FaceTiming, a screenshot FaceTiming Abracadabra, the drill rapper from, like, Broadport mm. Farm, who was, like, great, but, like, not in any yeah. ways, like, a, a celebrity or a famous rapper. Mm. So it's like, oh, you know, he he does... He does, you he know, does his research. Yeah. I'll give him that. A bit like Sheeran, in the sense that he kind yeah. of always yeah. uses his position to, 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 to lift up people who maybe don't get the recognition that they deserve. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, probably lovely bloke to go for a pint with, but that mm. doesn't mean I won't um, yes. be slightly rude about him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Apparently, Skrillex is also a really nice guy, is what I I've been hearing through the grapevine. Because he did that set with Blauan as well at, at Dry Mullen in September and was kind of like doing these collabs with all these like quote unquote cool artists. And mm. he just kind of like came back out of the woodwork and had a bit of a renaissance. But yeah, I think he's just he's just a lovely guy. Yeah, but both the Skrillex albums were were, were good this year. There's mm. one called Quest for Fire, which you've got a kind of admires title. And then there's another one called Let's Have it's a Look. It's a video game. <laughs> Don't Get Too Close. And that was a bit more left field. had Blade from Drain Gang on it. And Chief Keef was on there. Sway Lee. That was great. Pink Panthers. That one was really good. Pink Panthers. That completely yeah. passed me by. Well, let's talk about albums, shall we? Favourite albums of the year. What was what was kind of on rotation for you guys in 2023? Do you want to go first, Jade? I mean, I think we can all agree Guts 
was a big, yeah. big album. Your mate. Yeah, my mate, your mate, all of our mate, <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. Our great mate, Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. We love her, don't we? And genuinely not just saying that because we've done it on the cover yeah. and it's a good opportunity for self-promotion. Like, mm. I think genuinely, I really, really love that album more than Sour. I just think it's so good. It gets better with every listen. Such a step up from Sour, isn't it? And yeah, we like Sour. big time, big time. I just love the... Um, the sound of it, the anger, the lyricism, it's just its just like compulsively replayable. Were you an angsty teen? You know what? I think I was a secretly angsty teen, definitely. A bit of door slamming, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's door slamming music. Door it? slamming music, yeah. That's great. Yeah, very good. It is door slamming music. Now, Exo, a very good album and shows mm. her chops as a, as a songwriter, doesn't yeah. it? You know, and people can be quite dismissive about... Pop generally, and especially pop music from the kind of the Disney mm. background, but she's a very, very good songwriter. Really good. Yeah, I think like Olivia Rodrigo. To be honest with you, I think Sour is potentially the best album of 2021. I yeah. think it's just probably the best album of 2023. Like it mm. just the the quality of the songwriting is really good. Like she manages to the lyrics, even though it's about being really young. It seems to just like no one ever gets over that adolescence so it just appeals mm. to people across all ages like there's good bit of humour in there like I just think as well like so many albums are just so overstuffed and they're too long and there's not enough quality control and I think artists oh, just presume that their music's going to be used for playlists or for TikTok anyway but just putting out like a quite short album with no filler on mm. which feels like it's been really thought out it's almost quite a classic approach to like mm-hmm. to really chiseling away at an album. I know she's really she's like done her homework. She knows loads about music. She's really studied bands from the nineties and all these classic records. Yeah, it's funny like with Olivia like even when I like don't actually know if I'd believe anyone who said they didn't think she was good. Yeah, <laughs> even I can see why people like it's not their vibe. But I don't think anyone could listen to that album and come away being like she isn't like a really good songwriter yeah. I can't wait like I mean the, we'll be scrambling for guest list when mm. she comes to, oh, comes yeah, to UK absolutely in May but to hear like because we watched it didn't we we watched it together at Glastonbury oh yeah and God, she was, she was the best thing at Glastonbury I thought really that was my highlight for sure yeah and I know, I know there's people who may, might be listening or follow face might think this is some there's quite a lot of pro Olivia Rodrigo propaganda <laughs> which goes on here but uh, we are unanimously back in here yes, yes. absolutely yes. our great mate Olivia Rodrigo uh, who else made a good record this year I really liked The Head Hurts But The Heart Knows The Truth by Headache which is actually a vegan alias I don't know if you guys have listened Davey I did shout you out to listen to this yeah do you know what people have complained about it when I put it on The Office That's oh yeah Bobby it's definitely not an Office album so explain the concept of it because people were confused <laughs> well basically it's it's actually a really weird complain we can TJ I mean, well of course TJ's going to complain about it but yeah. I, yeah I mean to be fair that's definitely one to just listen to on your own I think but basically it's like each song on the album has been you know that TikTok voice that you kind of put text through and, it's, and it speaks in a really monotonous kind yeah, of cadence basically that's what every single song on the album is like um, it kind of sounds like the satnav lady talking to you over these really kind of like melancholy, wow. classic vegan beats. But so it's like spoken word? It's basically, yeah, it's spoken word. And it's not quite the satnav lady. It sounds a little bit more human than that, but it's in that kind of vein. Wow. But it's basically these kind of really deep, nihilistic short stories told over this really beautiful, melancholy background music. And I found the he's he's obviously written these and just put them through a voice generator mm, and mm. they're really quite profound, I think. I think and I'd just, like that. Yeah, and just kind of like meditations on life and what getting fucked up and what that does and it and you know, loving someone, losing someone, all that kind of stuff. But it really kind of went under the radar. Like, I mean, vegan just releases probably too much too much music I mean just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tracks and this one wasn't even under his name so to me I don't think many people noticed it but I really really loved that album I'm going to listen to that Jude any more? Um, well I've already mentioned Ethan P. Flynn and Grian but yeah special shout out to Grian I really really love that album I I know you do he's a poet and the lyrics are amazing and yeah love him and then Erotic Probiotic by Nourish by Time I know Davey you're a fan as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he, that album's great. So, Nourished by Times is also from Baltimore. Yeah. And he, 
makes just quite eccentric pop music. Yeah. I know that isn't like a great sell, but he's got <laughs> like really, really catchy tracks, slightly strange subject matter. It's like the the, yeah. the the single Daddy is like about a relationship he had where his partner had a wealthy sugar daddy and then eventually she left him for the sugar daddy. Yeah. And there's a really great video of him kind of performing the song on a keyboard in his parents' basement in Baltimore. So good. But that's, it's one of the most catchy songs of the year. It is so good. The Field is my favourite though. Which one's that? It's the one where he's kind of like having this kind of like experience of whether or not he believes in God, like this kind of crisis of faith. And he's kind of like can I speak to God but is he going to speak back to me and what am I supposed to do with my life and it's kind of like but it's like sang in a really light hearted way and when you actually listen to the lyrics it's like fucking hell this guy's having an existential crisis yeah well there's that one which seems to be about sort of not how like you shouldn't be worried about death and about yeah. that sort of way to, it's like he's got this thing where you kind of really pours his heart out and he doesn't seem to get embarrassed so it kind of just is yeah. quite moving the songs and mm-hmm. he's like you know he's on a small label scenic route which is a really cool label and he's sport dry cleaning and I've just seen Pitchfork drop the list and the daddy was up there and the album was up there so I mm-hmm. think he's going to get like a bit of a push next year yeah because he's a bit older right I'm not entirely sure I have a feet. I don't know why. I just get that vibe that he's just he's lived a life. Yeah, well, he's been through it. Definitely. Yeah, he's been through. But he's like, you know, I don't. I can't imagine him blowing up in like a massive way. But in terms of like having like a bar Italia level mm. sort of hype, or like, I think he could be a bit of an indie star for yeah. next year if he can make another album that good. Because then next yeah. year, then I think we'll probably be hearing more from him. Should we get him on the pod? Yeah, we should yeah, do. Yeah, just get him around. You put yeah. it on the office a bit, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah. So good that album. Yeah. And people always ask what it is. So I do. Yeah, every time yeah. it's on. Yeah, yeah. Davey, you albums. You know, guts is you know definitely up there for me. And so is nourished by time, erotic probiotic. I think the hundred gex, ten thousand gex album yeah. needs a shout out. That was there's a really sort of cynical narrative about that album you know it was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed there was sort of rumours of label problems they did a bit of press where there's a pitchfork feature where they're saying they'll find it really hard it was the difficult second album syndrome they then released an EP and people were thinking oh is the whole gexing got a bit tired they kind of invented we're kind of the pioneers of the second wave of hyperpop. So there's all those really young producers during the pandemic kind of making really intense, really raw pop music. And Gex were kind of like the, the originators of that wave. But then by the time it got to 2023, that whole wave had kind of petered out and everyone's kind of sick of it. So it's almost like, I don't know, it's like imagine if the Sex Pistols had stuck around to make a second album but waited five years. It was just like, you know. <laughs> so, But then it dropped and it just is really, really, like it's I think 10 or 11 songs, half an hour, every every track's an anthem. They kind of lent into more rock genres like new metal and ska punk and pop punk and there's turntable scratches on it and it's just kind of makes you like want to drink a can of monster and just like hang around in the mall and yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and, and you know they, they were meant to be playing in, in London in October and I bought a ticket and they cancelled I was, I was really good about Did that yeah yeah because yeah there's one song called Frog on the Floor which I think takes it a step too far there's right. sort of <laughs> What the noise is? They cro- croaks, yeah. Croak, there's croaks. Yeah. There's a lot of croaking on it. it. It's like it sounds like Less and Jake, but it's about frogs. I think that <laughs> I, I, that's the moment when I blow the whistle. That's a yellow card. Yeah. But other than that, it's, it's a great album. I uh, got to talk about Lil Yachty. Let's start here. Like that was, you know, his kind who, of. Who saw that coming? Yeah, yeah. Because right? he'd had he'd had a Poland, which was obviously yeah. a great accidental hit for him. Banger. And then it turned out he'd made this album, which like, imagine if Tame and Paula, but if Kevin Parker was actually quite a weird and interesting guy instead of... <laughs> so, sorry. But no, let's be honest, no, you know, it's I, you know I've, always, I've always thought that Tame and Paula see the appeal and sonically it's it's really smart and there's some catchy melodies, but mm. it's like polite psychedelia, which feels oh, counterintuitive yeah, to me. Useless, isn't it? Whereas Lil Yachty is a genuinely wavy guy. He's, you know, I think a rapper approaching kind of psychedelic rock is really interesting like I won't bore you with details but there's little things he does which are a little bit off and sort of breaks a few little rules there's like really interesting producers in there he samples Jam City he's an artist I like but um, yeah it was just a, it was just a curveball for him and it's it's just a bit messy and I think you know it's 2023 you know trying to expect someone to make music which is completely new is like asking a chef to invent a new vegetable or something but mm. this record to me I was like oh wow like 
you know, I can see all the touch points, but this just feels like something I haven't heard before. Mm. And from him, like six years after he so defined a sound and a time, you know, to come out with something as good as that, I think is really, really interesting. Oh yeah, man. Like I remember when Lil Yachty um, first broke through in like 2016 and he was just labeled a joke and people saying mm. it's the worst yeah. thing ever. And then here we are like all these years, seven years later and yeah. he's actually one of the most interesting people in, in contemporary music, arguably. I mentioned Yves Chumeau and I guess I'll read out the title. So the album is Praise Lord Who Choose But Which Does Not Consume in brackets or simply Hot Between Worlds. <laughs> so really rolls off the tongue that one but um, the album's really great and that's an album I've just come back to loads it's kind of it's kind of fairly conventional rock record mm. um, like there's a song where the open chords literally sound like Wonderwall but there's no wrong with that yeah, sometimes <laughs> it comes up on my phone and I think what is this sort of just generic landfill indie band how looking at Eve's Jamal landfill indie band it's really strange yeah I think I think like Eve's the, the context because they, they started making really sort of abrasive electronic music they were hanging on Berlin a lot and their image is very kind of uh, freaky and sort of subversive and it's presented in a way mm. which kind of maybe it's got into the it's reached people who might maybe not have been wearing skinny jeans at Dot to Dot Festival at 2007. Mm. Um, but I... Th- that felt very pointed. <laughs> <laughs> Projecting. But, uh, you know, I love, you know, I love subversive, edgy, underground electronic music, which is popular in Berlin, and I love whatever was on the Dot to Dot line of 2007. <laughs> so for me, it's just a p- the perfect album. Agreed. The last one is, yeah, I'm going to go for Ganger by V's, who is a rapper from Detroit. The last couple of years in, in Detroit and Flint, there's been quite a uh, the scenes had a load of buzz and the rappers are kind of quite offbeat and quite sloppy in a deliberate way and that's good because it just kind of challenges your ears to listen to hip-hop in a different way and V's has ended up being a bit of a breakthrough star with this record uh, he's on the Yachty podcast and I've seen a few people post about him but yeah th- this guy's just like you put this on and it's the sort of thing where if you went back to like the mid-90s and played this to hip-hop fans and said this is going to be a huge pop record one time people would be like really angry and they wouldn't understand it and it'd sound completely <laughs> alien to them and I think that's a really healthy thing you know it's always good for like the new generation of artists to make something which the previous generation hate and totally. Ganger is, is a record for that so yeah it's my, my top five definitely What about Stinkers? Any disappointments? I mean, I think if we're on the subject of, of rap, I think it's like, you know, Travis Scott's Utopia was the big... Yeah. It was kind of like going to see a massive blockbuster film where millions have been spent on the special effects, but there's no storyline. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, actually, I actually listened to it last night again just to double check if it is as bad as I remembered. And Did you? I was just laughing because it's like, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a Beyonce song on it. And like, oh, it's, there's a James Blake song and there's a yeah. West Side Gun track. Yeah. And like all these tracks are completely forgotten. So it's like... It sounds amazing, but it just yeah. means nothing. Yeah. You know? It's a shame because it is a disappointment because with Travis, because, you know, Astroworld, I've never been a huge fan, but that there was something about, like, you know... I remember when Sicko Mode first dropped and I remember putting on my headphones in the tube and being like, this is genuinely psychedelic rap music and mm-hmm. sort of making Drake, putting Drake in that weird context. They tried to, again, they tried to kind of do a Sicko Mode 2 and it was all right. What was it even called? That's how that... Meltdown, yeah, it's one where Drake's really rude about Pharrell, and I just think it's a bit mean. Yes, it was yeah, that one. Yeah. What do you, you say know, about him? They always say no one wears Louis Vuitton anymore. Oh yeah, which is just just mean because the bags cost a million dollars. Yeah, but this year's been a bad year for like mainstream American hip hop. Like Lil Yachty actually said it at like some panel talk, and I think you know. A lot of the big stars being absent, like Young Thug's obviously been absent because he's got that really heavy court case. He's behind bars. I think Kanye's obviously been absent, which is a good thing in my opinion. The idea of him having to come back now is with with current affairs would be very unhelpful, I think. But you know, just having that huge blockbuster hip hop record with this really epic rollout. That not being there has been felt, I think. And there's Drake with For All for All My Dogs album, which again, it's got a point 
with him where it kind of feels like a bit of an endurance test listening to one of his records I think there's some things I like about it like there's this guy Benny X this producer on there who's on a few tracks and he's in my opinion the best producer at the minute he does yeet stuff he's, he's on the Pink Panthers album and the stuff he does with Drake I do quite like Lil Yachty's on there and stuff like that but um, there's a big narrative this year about how there hadn't been a number one hip hop album till like June or July I think Lil Uzi Vert the the pink tape was the first one which again was a massive disappointment Mm. there's a lot of excitement about Uzi dropping that and it just just didn't really stick around so it's maybe had a bit of a crisis of, you know, in the 2010s, it felt like just American hip-hop was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe that has peaked, but I don't think it's a, necessarily a problem for, for that type of music because, like I said, you know, there's interesting stuff coming out of Detroit. There's this scene in Milwaukee, which Pitchfork have covered quite a lot, which is, like, really, really fresh and really, really exciting. You know, there's been, like, interesting sort of more alternative stuff, like Billy Wood's record is, is really strong and Eel Sweatshirt's done some really good stuff and there's there's Mike as well who's 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 on good form. But yeah, I'm just not expecting there to be like another like massive American hip hop album for a while, which which is like a classic. Mm. Well you know, so it's been a, a turbulent year for, for, for US hip hop. Who else has had a turbulent year this year in terms of individuals? I mean Doja, I yeah. guess, has had a turbulent year. Yeah, because we, we, you know, Paint Tamara's been massive and she's been in the yeah. office loads and the music's been really big, but she's, you know, there's the whole thing about beefing with the fans, which at first I thought was maybe a marketing strategy, but it seems like there's something a bit more. Yeah, I think she just needs to, yeah, mm. she just needs to just take some time away, I think, and not let it get to her so much. But maybe that album was a bit of a disappointment as well, because it felt like such a an attack against everything else that it just ended up feeling a bit repetitive and just like she was too affected by everything going on around her rather than doing any kind of proper introspection mm. that, that could have made a better record. I've I heard Pain the Town Red a lot, though, the song. Yeah, I mean, that's a good song. Yeah, I'll give I've heard that. that a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we've just got a piece in the face, like interviewing the fans because, you know, loads. she's on a, the Scarlet Tour and Arena Tour and I think... You know, the music's so good that I think she will be fine. I actually found it quite entertaining at first. Of yeah. Her kind of stand-up-to-stand culture, I actually do find it's gone... I, I think it's really bizarre the way it people is, yeah. behave on social media about oh, it's so obsessed with it. I think like, there was just that thing where she had that t-shirt of that comedian Sam Hyde who's like yeah, that, that was dodgy. guy and like that is just really dodgy mm. like I don't want to spend too much time talking about him but if you google him yeah. you really shouldn't be wearing that and there wasn't any explanation about Also especially she could... considering that she's kind of been in hot water with that kind of stuff before it kind of yeah, felt like surely right. you want to distance yourself I, from that. I think people gave her the benefit of the doubt yeah, they on did. that and yeah. then they said yeah yes mm. that's been It rocky. smells yeah. but she's an amazing performer though She's. Well. I think she's probably one of the best. Actually, yeah. I think she has watched the BT Awards, the VMAs. I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was the VMAs actually. Yeah. Um, God, that was amazing. And I think the album as well. Like I know people thought it wasn't very well. You know, she, it was what Olivia Rodrigo hasn't done and really thought about how it paced an album. It was just like mm. sixteen random tracks thrown together. Mm. Yeah. But like the first like six or seven are great. I think. Mm. So a year of of ups and downs for for Doja Cat. Then who else? Who else has had a had a funny year this year? Well, I think the thing of, you know, I said with Doja Cat, she's got the thing where if you look on social media, there's lots of backlash, but then she's filling out arenas and stuff like mm. that. And I think that's, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much, but if you look at the 1975, their situation where they've doing this tour and it is like, you know, they're selling out arenas across the world. The tour has been going on since the start of last year. I think it ends in February next year. And I think, you know, anyone who's seen that show, the at the very best show will agree it's one of the best live shows in the world it's one of the best live shows I've ever seen mm. so they're kind of the band are, are kind of at the height of their powers but obviously Matty's just been in, in so much trouble starting from a podcast he went on earlier this year where there's a backlash to that it was a comedy podcast he was laughing at some seriously dodgy jokes his relationship with Taylor Swift went live and there's an God, I forgot about that yeah, yeah can you believe yeah. it that was a couple of weeks wasn't it can you believe it mm. So the, obviously that then the sort of drew attention to the questionable podcast episode he he done. So because uh, you think the nineteen seventy five are kind of like because we 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 know about them they're kind of big, but then Taylor Swift is a different level, so that just opens mm. you up to a whole different 
audience, yeah. right? People who maybe hadn't heard of the 1975. And level of criticism as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that happened and then kind of... But then, you know, the band just were, were going from strength to strength and then you get to the summer and there was the, the festival where they played in Malaysia, which has very strict anti-LGBTQ laws, and then is a sort of protest. Matty kissed the band's bass player, Ross, on stage. And then the response to that, and then the whole festival got shut down. And I think the response to that, you know, if you go on social media and look on your phone, ev- like there's been a lot of hate and a lot of criticism towards that. I've personally found that in like private conversations I've had, there's been a little bit more variety of opinion. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is like, at the end of the day, there are, you know, I was just in Hong Kong and I was chatting to someone who puts on events in Southeast Asia and at the end of the day there are people who are involved with events or the LGBT communities in Malaysia who believe that it's had negative consequences right. and like you just can't you can't ignore mm. those perspectives. So I would say in terms of, of difficult years, it was maybe the year of like sort of muted responses to comebacks you know we had Rihanna doing the Super Bowl in February right and I think that God, was that feels like two years ago as I well know, that know. was quite anticlimactic yeah, yeah but then she was pregnant wasn't she and that was that was the big reveal yeah so that was that was a highlight cool the pregnancy do, reveal yeah. um, I mean the Super Bowl show I thought was pretty good I thought it was really good yeah but... I thought it was good as well and her voice sounded amazing she looked great the fashion was really cool I think I think people are just expecting so much from her yeah. as well. And I think it had been so long and we like, maybe I'm conflating, but I think we're just so used to seeing Beyonce and people like Doja and stuff that when Rihanna has never been a big kind of like move around on the stage, dancer, theatrics, yeah. she's all, you know, she's, that's just not who she is. And I think people were a little bit disappointed with the choreography of the show, but the setlist was really good. And the baby, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's always just going to be the OG. And I guess it was the Frank Ocean thing at Coachella. Like, you know, I saw that performance. I was there. It was kind of, no matter how you look at it, a disaster. Sort of mm. came on late, f- finished really early. It's so annoying, isn't it? I'm just so bored of his shtick by now. Like, yeah. just, just release an album. Well, you know, he does have sort of dog necklaces, which cost 30 grand. Oh, yeah, I forgot about well. that venture. Um, Homer. So, that, that Homer. Stuff, yeah. yeah, what the hell's going on with that? Sorry, guys. I just You know, he tried to do something amazing and mm. he, he kind of messed it up. But um, I don't know. I think there's still a possibility. If he My to- favourite bit was when you explained the show to me and you said he had something to represent his inner child on stage and it was literally a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you literally, oh, yeah, a child came on who's kind of dressed like him and sat down... <laughs> I shouldn't take the piss really, but then start like sort of miming one of his songs, and I think the song's about connecting with the inner child. Fantastic! And then the child came off, and he went on. He's like, "That's my inner child, yo." I was like, "Yeah, I gathered." I love that. That's hilarious. But um, I don't know. I mean, I still like it was so weird and so strange and so magnificently disastrous that I'm like, I would still like if we get out of this podcast booth and then I see my phone that like. Frank Ocean's dropped a track like I'll just put it on no that's the thing I'm desperate I'm desperate for a new track just for more music but I think the pressure now has mounted so highly I imagine what it's like for him for everyone to be kind of hanging on your every word and dissecting every comment you make on Instagram or everything you post as, as perhaps evidence of maybe new music I think and especially given how badly the Coachella thing went I think he's feeling the pressure and it's probably a little bit you know not great at taking criticism it seems yeah Mm-hmm. Better not speak to you then. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing our disappointments then. What about heroes? Heroes of the of the year. Well, I think I wouldn't know class her as a hero because I think she did express uh, enthusiasm about Donald Trump, which is something let's just not bother talking about. But um, <laughs> Sexy Red is definitely this breakthrough star of the year. And actually, you know, I talked about like American hip hop. Maybe not. It's not been the most exciting year for it. She has been the most exciting yeah. new star. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just just walking down the street and hearing like teenagers like playing "Sexy Red" off the phone and just the response it gets when when any of the tracks are played out. And she's really kind of conquered the internet. And you know, she knows how to go viral. And her voice is just so distinctive. And she's just been really entertaining. I think she's been, you know, she she Pound Town dropped it January, and 
I don't know what she was doing before then, but no one had heard of her outside no. of maybe she's from St. Louis. I don't know if she had like a bit of regional hype. Mm. She did her own tour. She's been on tour with Drake. She, I think she might still be on tour. And she's pregnant with the second child. Cheers. What about in terms of, because Jade, you, you, you tend to do our, well, you do do our 100% column, which is our new music format that goes yes. out every Friday, where you profile and you ask kind of set questions to, to, to a new artist. Mm. Who are some of the favourite people that you've done and who do you think we should be, listeners should be keeping an eye on in 2024? Yes, so there is a really exciting young kind of like Norwegian uh, musician called Swank Mummy, who I'm a big fan of. Mm. Um, and she's kind of, her music's kind of cute, it's sexy, she's kind of like really beautiful and has this amazing red hair. And it's kind of, she's only released little kind of EPs, but it, the music is quite unexpectedly versatile and gets quite heavy at times as well like there's a lot of, of breakbeat and jersey club which then kind of like takes you through to kind of like more of a soulful r&b vibe she doesn't have a lot of music out but it kind of it really hits so she's got a couple of singles one of them's called venus retrograde which is good just google them and the first thing that comes up is your interview with her let's go seo yeah <laughs> crying in the club it's kind of just like break up relationship inspired uh, music that that doesn't try too hard and does what it says on the tin, mm. basically. Mm. And then another person I'm excited about, Davey, you're probably sick to death of hearing me talk about this, but is DJ Heartstring. I love, you do love DJ Heartstring. I love DJ Heartstring. Did um, you go and watch DJ Heartstring the other week? No, I am going to go oh, it's and watch coming up. DJ right. Heartstring at Fold in a Fold, couple of weeks, it, yeah. which I'm really excited about. They're basically a duo from Berlin electronic music producers like they're a bit elusive but have really kind of picked up momentum over the last couple of years as part of this kind of modern day trance revival that is going on so it's really kind of like heavy mm. like hardcore kind of like trancey music but it's really good fun and it kind of like feels a little bit reminiscent of these big kind of like European dance floor bangers yeah. but infused with like a really kind of heavy techno beat Excellent. it's just really feel good music to dance to and actually Nobels gave them a shout out Davey that mm. um, website that you like um, kind of comparing their music what do they say more aggressive techno with a noticeably glossier sheen um, DJ Archering who've made some of the best singles in this styles in the last few years um, so yeah definitely worth checking out very good well look you two have blagged plenty of free tickets to stuff this year Davey you just got back from Hong Kong, which sounds very exciting. What's the best thing that you've gone to, best festival, best gig that you've been sort of stuck on the guest list for this year? Probably like at the start of the year in February, I like got a trip to South Africa and went to... You've done uh, all right this year. You've been everywhere this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. It's, fa it's fancy. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I've done Coachella, South Africa. Primavera? Yeah, Primavera Madrid. Glastonbury? Yeah. Hong Kong. Oi, oi. Hong Kong. It's great, yeah. Wow. Thing is, is because I look at you lot, like I'm, I'm yeah. pointing at you, Matthew and yeah. Brooke yeah. and TJ, who get loads of fashion stuff. Right. So there's all these bags piling up of free fancy clothes, <laughs> and I like quietly resent you because I just get, <laughs> I just get some loads of vinyl which I, I never listen to, and I, I always feel a bit sorry for myself. And then I realise like I'm constantly getting flown to some <laughs> festival in a foreign country. So maybe. But I've got nothing to wear when I get to these <laughs> festivals. So. You've got the Near Archives t-shirt. Yeah, then, I don't know, maybe the others are all dressed up and know where to go. But, um, <laughs> but I think, like, that was really good because it was basically it was Boiler Room and Ballantyne's program, this True Music Studios thing, but it was really focused on my piano, which I, to be honest with you, have been listening to for the last few years, but usually, like, on my Bluetooth speaker in my kitchen and just go into, like... While you're uh, cooking. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we went to Johannesburg and Sweater, which is a township nearby, which is where a lot of Ampiano comes from. And yeah, man, just going out in Sweater and like being like hearing that genre of music at its peak from the towns like that it's made in. It just sounds like a different type of music. Oh, so a that great was, trip. That's so cool. Yes, yeah, so that was in. Yeah, that, this, that was definitely the, the most like exciting one. And Coachella was great, but it was, you know, it was, I was like, watching Blink-182 with some like frat boys and stuff <laughs> <laughs> which I also love as it's meant to be watched yeah yeah 
Jade, what about you? Favourite concert, festival? Festivals, yeah, festivals were a good one. I did not pay for a single festival ticket. Went to more festivals in one summer than I have for a really long time, which was really nice. I say my highlight was probably Dry Mullen, which, oh, I, yeah. which I mentioned, where Blauwan and Skrillex played, which was like a two-day festival in Tilburg, which is a small town in the Netherlands, which was really, really just unbelievably good. Just kind of like small forest, that kind of like classic festival mm-hmm. setup. But like they had a really eclectic lineup where it seemed like the focus was back-to-backs and basically pairing DJs that you really wouldn't expect to kind of share a stage or, or do a double bill, which was really exciting. And There's yeah. a lot of chat about the Skrillex and Blauwan thing. And do you yeah. know what, we've only talk, talking about Skrillex a lot and yes, about heroes, so maybe Skrillex... Maybe Skrillex surprised. is low-key the hero of 2023. Yeah. yeah, that set was good, actually. It was good. It was good dry Mole and I've like, got mates who like, go a lot of... like dance music events quite particularly about it and they're saying that's one of the best yeah it's really good I mean it's a shame it's two days but I mean it's the the stage production is insane but yeah that was that was a proper standout and of course Glastonbury as as always mm, mm, yeah there's always the, the scramble for tickets isn't there in the office and I know you made it you made it well look let, let, let's let's wrap it up because producer Hunter's developing a five o'clock shadow while we've been <laughs> talking <laughs> so it's, it's, it's time to wrap quickly before we go guilty pleasures any guilty pleasures of 2023 Houdini for me Houdini Houdini wow. screams to me like they used Houdini as a, as a temp word while they were writing the song and then they were like oh should we just call it Houdini <laughs> Oh, come on. Yeah. It's good, actually. Yeah, let's just call it Houdini. What's that other Houdini thing that like went viral? The like rap Houdini? <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. You're on a different algorithm than oh, me. Oh, the, the, um, the, 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 the Houdini? The Chavez. The Chavez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what that gives for me. That should be on someone's list somewhere. But I think <laughs> yeah. one thing is the Houdini as well. The song is like, I was thinking about it. It's like the whole thing is like, I'll disappear like Houdini, but you, you used to escape rather than disappear, didn't you? I think it's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, guilty pleasure, you know, obviously I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but for me, the artist who went from like sort of uh, zero hero for me is like the dare. So, oh, like, you fuck, know, yeah. I mean, he broke through last year with that track. Girls, I can't believe we've done a whole episode we've without talking about, about Indie Sleaze or Dime Square. Thank we God. did it. That, that, to be fair, it's probably out for next year, but yeah. just the dares that, like, you know, that artist where at first I was like, oh, we're not sure about this. And uh, the, the references were maybe a little bit icky. And I was like, oh, it's just this really. Someone's just like basically made a tribute to 2007 with this really sleazy, garish electro clash. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not sure about it. And he's got loads of hype in fashion circles. But like, he's just slowly won me around this year. You know, we did a photo gallery of his frequencies party in New York. And I just saw the photos. I was like, it's just full of young people who are wearing outfits that they're going to be embarrassed by in 10 years' time, getting really drunk and really sweaty <laughs> and smoking inside and having a good time. I was like, I can't be mad at this. <laughs> and then we did a profile on him recently and shot this. I was our good friend did it and it was actually really interesting. And then I went to see him. He kind of did a bit of a London takeover and I went to Corsica and I was like, you know what? It's going off on a Tuesday yeah. night. And I was just like, you know, he, he was jumping around. He lost his blazer. He was smoking inside. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? Like if someone's going to spark up a snout on stage in 2023, <laughs> they've won me over. Thank you for listening to The Face Podcast with me, Matthew Whitehouse. We've been talking about the year in music. Join us next week where we'll be talking about the best film of 2023. The Face Podcast is recorded at Spotify HQ, produced by Hunter Charlton. See you next time. In this episode, you heard the following music. Female Gucci Mane, written by Ernest Day Jr., Jane Wery, and Marcus Rommel Todd. It was performed by Sexy Red. The publisher was MCPS Suspense Account. The record label was Open Shift slash Gamma. Multifaceted, written by Frank Dukes, Gottfried Naughty, and Jamal Busbar, And performed by Potter Paper. The publishers were Sony ATV Music Publishing UK Limited and EMI Music Publishing. The record label was a Def Jam release, 2023, Potter Paper under exclusive license, Universal Music Operations Limited. Freedom 2, written by Quengface, 
Joy Orbison, Overmono, and BNS, performed by Quangface, Joy Orbison, and Overmono. The publisher was Sony Music Publishing UK, and the record label was Quangface LTD. Militarian, featuring Naira Marley, written by Jahus, Naira Marley, P2J, and Alistair O'Donnell. The artist was Jahus. The publisher was Warner Chappelle Music Limited, and the record label was Black Butter Limited. A&W, written by Lana Del Rey, Jack Antonoff, and Sam Dew, performed by Lana Del Rey. The publisher was Universal MCA Music Limited and Sony ATV Music Publishing UK Limited. The record label was a Polydor Records release and Interscope Records release in the USA, 2023 Lana Del Rey under exclusive license to Universal Music Operations Limited. All American Bitch, written by Olivia Rodrigo and Daniel Negro, performed by Olivia Rodrigo. The publisher was Sony ATV Music Publishing UK Limited, and the record label was Olivia Rodrigo under exclusive license to Geffen Records. Set the Roof, written by Hudson Mohawk, Nikki Nair, Taylor Parks, and Cameron Glasper, performed by Hudson Mohawk and Nikki Nair. The publishers were Cobalt Music Publishing Limited and Warner Chappelle North America Limited. The record label was Warp Records 2023. Sprinter, written by Dave Central C, Joe Caleb, Johnny Leslie, Jim Legacy, and Kyle Evans. Performed by Dave and Central C. The publishers were Sony Music Publishing UK Limited, Universal Music Publishing Limited, and Warner Chappelle Music Limited. The record label was Neighbourhood slash Live Yours. Tatty, written by BK The Ruler and Azure. Performed by BK The Ruler. The record label was Warner Records Incorporated.